This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. It has been about as busy and eventful a week this past week as any we can recall in the seven years we've been doing this program. A couple of things were expected. The total eclipse of the sun in Asia, for example, along with the 40th anniversary of the Apollo 11 landing on the moon. But uh, unexpectedly and tragically in the past week, we saw the passing of news legend Walter Cronkite. One of the highlights of, of doing this program or of just doing radio in general has been the fact that Mr. Cronkite agreed to speak with us four and a half years ago, and we got a what we consider to be one of our uh, high-water marks in, in this program in our interview with Walter Cronkite. We will be playing that again in our second segment today. And if we had more than one hour a week to devote to doing this program, we probably would re-air that original uh, show in its entirety. We took a great deal of time to talk about Walter Cronkite, and we're joined by Joe Barr, News Director of Capital Public Radio, to talk about some of his experiences at CBS. Fortunately for you, dear listener, that entire program remains available, as so many shows are, uh, in our archives. But we have a heck of a lot of ground to cover today, so let's get on with it. And thanks to Mr. McMillan's wizardry, we're going to also see if we can't get a quote from Bob Edwards and our interview with him about the other CBS legend, Edward R. Murrow. He had a little uh, a little side story about Walter Cronkite that we'll see if we can't um, replay. We will get around to talking about uh, the movie Food, Inc., as well as uh, a revisit with Matt Perry about the excellent uh, book and current movie, Public Enemies. We will, of course, have to defer that to next week's program, but we'll get to it. We like to start the show with On This Date in History, and the date in question today is the 23rd of July. It was on July 23rd in 776 B.C. that the first Olympic Games opened up in Greece. Olympia, to be specific. On this date in the year 636, the Byzantine Empire lost control of most of Palestine to the Arabs. They were going to lose a lot more territory before the Islamic armies were through. On June 23rd in 1903, the first Ford Model A was delivered to its owner. That was Dr. Ernest Fenning of Chicago, Illinois. Fenning's car cost $850 and was able to reach the speed of 30 miles an hour. As a historical aside, I would note that it was a 1928 flatbed Model A, upon which this correspondent learned to drive an automobile. My grandpa kept it out in the orchard, and it was a hell of a car. I wish I still had it. They didn't build them to go that fast, but they sure built them well and built them to last. On this date in 1962, the Telstar satellite sent the first major live television broadcast between the United States and Europe. And finally, on this date in 1964, U.S. President Lyndon B. Johnson launched his War on Poverty. It was aimed at nothing less than eradicating poverty in America. It did not succeed. Our quote of the day comes from pharmacologist David Colquinn of the University College in London. In the medical journal BMJ, he slammed UK authorities over their decision to license homeopathic treatment for bruises, saying, if you sold strawberry jam that contained not a trace of strawberry, you'd be in trouble. We would point out, though, that not if it's homeopathic strawberry jam. 
And I hope I'm not giving anyone an idea with that one. Our quip of the day comes from David Letterman, who said in the wake of Sarah Palin's bizarre and surreal resignation from office, the governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin, has announced she's stepping down. Friends of Governor Palin are saying that she's resigning because she's tired of attacks from the media. Thank God I didn't say anything. Our joke of the day also comes from David Letterman, who noted the following. Boy, North Korea's gone nuts. I don't know what's going on over there. There was a huge computer attack. Was your computer okay? Oh, I hope so. They shut down the U.S. Treasury Department website. Man, I was stunned. I said to myself, whoa, the U.S. still has a Treasury Department? Our statistic of the day comes from a psychiatric study which noted that Wednesday is apparently the top day in the United States for suicides. This is odd, but apparently 24.6% of suicides occur on Wednesdays. We do note happily that the fewest suicides occur on Thursdays, 11.1%. We say happily because we know that Radio Parallax does air weekly on Thursdays, and we hope we're helping. And no, we're not pointing any fingers at Dr. Andy Jones. Andy, we're convinced that is a statistical anomaly. But for all your Radio Parallax listeners out there, if it's Wednesday and you're feeling despondent, just see if you can't hang on for one more day, will you? We would like to note that uh, per UC Davis Magazine's summer edition, our good pal Dr. Andy uh, is highlighted in a web feature and video. You should check it out. Speaking of radio personalities, I'd like to also send congratulations to Jeffrey Callison over at Capital Public Radio. Insight celebrated its fifth anniversary this past week. I'm happy to note uh, that I joined uh, the program as a substitute host a month after it began and have been there ever since. Or at least, so far, so good. Would like to add, uh, since James Rye in his article for the Sacramento News and Review failed to do so, that the ranks of substitute hosts for that program has been joined in the past couple of years by David Watts Barton, who really has set a standard, I think, for all of us in interviewing musical guests and soloists. I, I don't know anyone who does it better. And I would note that uh, my affiliation with the program did generate some uh, listener email. And I'd simply like to respond to the bulk of it by saying, uh, Team Insight certainly is responsive to, uh, to emails that uh, point out what topics um, you'd like to hear them talk about. I would encourage you to uh, exercise that option. I do want to note that it's been my great pleasure and privilege to have worked with Carl Wantanabe, Mark Jones, and Jeffrey Callison for going on five years now. And I certainly hope I'll get the opportunity to sit in the chair again, but of course, now that they've moved to the mornings, it does make it a bit tougher for all of us. And speaking of listener mail, as we just were, I would like to note that we did get a report about the eclipse over in China. And here's the deadly sentence from, uh, from that note. The eclipse was hyped up here for exceptional viewing, but it poured rain and wasn't much fun. Which I must say does, makes this correspondent breathe a sigh of relief. He did not book passage across the Pacific to try and view this one because the, we, we knew the weather was going to be iffy. I know it rained in Mumbai and it, obviously it rained in Shanghai. And I'm, I'm guessing with all the monsoon conditions, there was a lot of rain and all the points in between. A couple of tidbits from Jim's letter that I can't resist reading. 99% of the people in Shanghai are Chinese. Diversity is apparently an American thing. 99% of those people don't speak one word of English, but every t-shirt worn by the population has a phrase written on it. In English. Soy sauce is not served in any place in Shanghai. 
They drink lots and lots of beer with their meals, much more than in the States. The bottles pile up on the tables. The only American beer I've seen is Bud Regular, and it's, it's very popular and much more expensive than Qingdao. Jim did note that uh, during the eclipse, it got dark as night for about 10 minutes, which, which, which is hardly a substitution for being able to see the sun. Anyway, I hope we will hear more from him from China, and, uh, and I hope we'll hear more from lots of you out there listening uh, on your iPods and uh, across the world, and please continue to give us feedback. We love hearing from you. And to drop us a line, send it to info at radioparallax.com. And I can't help uh, but interject uh, an item I saw in Mental Floss magazine, which is occasionally pretty amusing, which had a page titled, A Brief and Incomplete History of Chinatowns Across America. But the item that attracted my eye was the fact that there is a Chinatown in Shanghai, said author Eric Alt. Although Chinatowns exist all across the world, none is more puzzling than the Chinatown in Shanghai. You'd think a Chinese city wouldn't need a Chinatown. But Shanghai is relatively young, and much of the architecture is modern. So city officials have set aside an area to pay tribute to their heritage, a quaint section of town with traditional buildings and services. Mr. McMillan says he will try and write Jim to see if he can't uh, go pay a visit there and report on it for us. All right, I definitely want to talk about Walter Cronkite, and I want to talk about the moon landing, but uh, let's take a minute and see if we can't do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for Chinese teenagers after China's health ministry ordered hospitals to stop using electric shock therapy to treat internet addiction. Noting that there was no indication that the 3,000 mostly young people who had been shocked had been cured. You know, there's one from the duh file. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for no frills flying after a low-cost European airline, Ryanair, asked Boeing to design a plane with standing room to pack in more people. Standing passengers would fly with a belt, buckling them to a metal pole. And no, this is not a trend we feel we can applaud. Finally, it was an ugly week last week for Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, who are two prominent atheists, after a Turkish television station launched a game show in which a priest, a rabbi, a Buddhist monk, and an Islamic imam will compete to convert a group of self-proclaimed atheists. Said TV executive Sehan Solyu, we are giving the biggest prize in the world, the gift of belief in God. And as far as we know, Paula Abdul is not going to be one of the judges. All right, let's move on. Our popular Jackass of the Week feature has a hands-down winner this week. In the Texas Monthly, author John Spong noted that rock and roll horse's ass Ted Nugent says he finds killing animals to be a profoundly religious experience. Apparently, the famously foul-mouthed rocker owns 350 guns and likes to pack heat with a 10-millimeter Glock. Apparently last December, he celebrated his 60th birthday with a five-day hunt at a Texas ranch, saying, quote, I've literally killed thousands and thousands of big game animals. 
Killing game is perfect. Perfect for my grill, perfect for the land, perfect for the animals themselves. And we feel pretty sure that PETA would <laughs> a thing or two to say about that last pronouncement. But I just, I can't resist some of these Nugent quotes. Nugent said he's not in the slaughter for his own sake, but said, quote, You function like a wolf or lion in your natural predator role. The flesh-gnashing teeth we have, the digestive system we have, the sense of reasoning, the conscience, the sense of guilt and emotion, it all comes into play when you're out there. It's part of the natural cycle. You think, I'm here, that leaping deer is a beautiful, graceful, stunning animal. I'm going to kill it. When I'm done with it, it won't leap and run and breathe again. It's going to help me leap and breathe and run. I think it can be best described as spiritual. No, Ted, we think it's best described as the fact that you're a jackass. Me donkey sleep in a bed of straw. Tingaleo. Come, little donkey, come. Tingaleo. Come, little donkey. On a lighter note, we can't resist this item from the phone news section of the Humor Times. Purportedly commenting upon the Sotomayor confirmation hearings, Andy Borowitz noted. Gingrich accuses Sotomayor of faking broken ankle. Bid to get sympathy votes, says Newt. Noting that Mrs. Sotomayor reportedly broke her ankle while rushing to catch a plane, the former House Speaker said, the fake ankle cast thing is the oldest trick in the book. I do want to note personally that while I think uh, Ms. Sotomayor is probably going to do fine on the U.S. Supreme Court, the decision she rendered, which was recently overturned by the full court, was a pretty lame one. In this correspondent's opinion, you cannot possibly justify just tossing out the results of an exam aimed at allowing firefighters to advance simply because some of the minorities, because no no minority, because none of the minority applicants succeeded at the test, while some of the reportedly white firefighters did. It just doesn't make sense. We do agree with the editorial in the Sacramento Bee that this does not prove that uh, Ms. Sotomayor is biased but uh, surprisingly find ourselves having to agree with Justice Antonin Scalia saying that the time has come when government can treat citizens as individuals, not members of a class or race. This, of course, had been a, a fairly, this was, of course, a fairly narrow ruling and is not liable to change much in the way of civil rights uh, regulations and rules in the U.S. Might be a good time to note that the opinions heard on this program do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California. Probably be good to note that once in a while, like everybody else in the universe, we're full of it. But we're doing the best we can and calling them as we seize them. And, uh, you know, we don't talk sports a lot on this program, although we do once in a while because it is part of American life. I would like to note that I am very disappointed that 59-year-old Tom Watson did not succeed in his effort to win the British Open. Got nothing against guys in their 30s, but all things being equal, we would have liked to have seen a guy in his 50s succeed at this one. Darn, he got so close. And for the miscellaneous file, we have this item. If you drive to Tiburon, they're going to photograph you. At least they're going to photograph your license plate. Now, Tiburon really doesn't have much of a problem with crime. In fact, uh, the crime rates are very low in this picturesque but wealthy Marin County town. 
And uh, the article in the both the Sacramento Bee and San Francisco Chronicle notes that cameras are already watching Americans as they drive, bank, and shop, and police around the country routinely use cameras to enforce speeding and traffic violations. But Tiburon's taking it just one step further. There's only two roads going in and out of the town, so they do have the capability of photographing every car coming in and out, and they're planning to do exactly that. Said town manager Peggy Curran, As long as you don't arrive in a stolen vehicle or go on a crime spree while you're here, your anonymity will be preserved. We don't care who you are, and we don't know who you are. This whole thing is making civil libertarians a bit uneasy, I think justifiably. You do wonder about the sensibility of spending money for cameras to do this when, in 2008, according to police, there were 99 thefts, 20 burglaries, and 2 auto thefts. And that's it. Anyway, next time you go to Tiburon, say cheese. All right, let's, uh, let, let's go to the break here and come back and talk to journalistic legend Walter Cronkite. It's indeed sad to note that he left uh, his anchor position at CBS back in 1982, I believe, leaving the nation stuck with Dan Rather for the next couple decades. Bob Schieffer, I believe, replaced uh, Rather temporarily until they managed to settle on Katie Couric. Don't know much about Katie. I don't watch the nightly news. As Todd Gidlin pointed out on uh, National Public Radio, Walter Cronkite, a couple decades back, took the time to have the 22-minute broadcast of the evening news set into type. Actually, I believe it was Robin McNeil that pointed this out, but at any rate, if you set a nightly broadcast of the evening news into type, you're lucky to get three columns. It doesn't even come close to filling the front page of a newspaper. And as little news as that provides the, the viewer... At least network news is trying to be succinct. With the 24-hour news networks, you may get wall-to-wall coverage of, say, Michael Jackson, uh, you know, ad nauseum. Of course, dear listener, we suspect you know that, and that's why you try and tune into what we're doing here. Because win, lose, or draw, week in and week out, we are trying to give you the, the data that you need and provide some analysis of it. For the past two decades, we've seen uh, news completely tabloidized, with peripheral news stories, particularly in the entertainment field, seeming to dominate. Of course, we're not against that in its entirety. We do a little bit of it here on this program. What the heck? But I would note that since we've been doing this show, we've watched a catastrophic failure of the U.S. media to cover the ramp-up of the war in Iraq, which we predicted on this program was going to be the quagmire it turned out to be. And if the media is going to serve as a watchdog, the watchdog certainly fell asleep in 2004 and in in the year 2000, when um, two United States presidential elections were stolen. Yeah, we already gave the disclaimer about how that's just my opinion. I'm not going to do it again, but I was tickled by the news story in New Scientist magazine explaining how statistical analysis was pretty conclusively demonstrated that the Iranian election results were fraudulent. Well, yeah, you can use statistics to analyze such things. We certainly talked about it on this program. It's too bad the uh, most of the mainstream media just uh, just treated that like a, quote, conspiracy theory, unquote. It was not. At least not the tinfoil hat kind of conspiracy theories, you know, Roswell aliens and the like. Or, as we'll talk about in a minute, they faked the moon landing sorts of theorizing. Anyway, uh, Walter Cronkite... It was a great pleasure to have interviewed, and let's take a break and come back and replay uh, that, uh, that chat we had. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax.